All right, what's going on, everybody? Today we are going to be talking about internal and external motivators. And so you guys might be listening to our pre-roll, and I'm going to be letting our pre-roll go until one of you guys actually gets up off of your butt and makes the podcast that you guys always talk to me about. So I've got a good amount of people in uh, my life who, you know, once they kind of find out that like, oh, you do a podcast or you have a podcast or like we have people uh, who come through our house that are working on whatever it might be, you know, maybe a water heater or plumbing or things like that. And, and then they see my quote unquote podcast studio, aka office, and they are like, oh, like, you know, do you do a podcast? And I'm like, yeah. And I think it's something that's interesting because I think a lot of people like podcasts. I think a lot of people are engaged currently in listening to podcasts. And I also think that people have a lot more interesting insights than maybe they think about. But for some reason, we get kind of held back to sharing those opinions. And what I would tell you is to try to think about you know, what are the things that I'm intaking? And we talk about this a lot, right? Is too much intake without any output is not going to be very worthwhile. And so if you're constantly taking in and taking in and taking in, and there's not enough time there for reflection, then you're not really going to be getting the most out of it. So let's take a prime example here and we'll get to, we'll circle around then to our topic for the day. But prime example here is, uh, you know, this, this documentary game changers has been going around now. And Andy and I talked about this on a podcast actually before it came out about how propaganda E, you know, the teaser trailer was. And then when you actually go and watch the, uh, I'm not even going to call it, call it a documentary. When you watch the propaganda film, uh, it is, you know, it, it is a very high production value and it's very manipulative and coercive. And, uh, you know, obviously it's not a documentary because it's not looking objectively at multiple different, you know, stories and types of fact. It's, it's just hard lining and trying to manipulate you into believing that, um, you know, meat is bad and plants are good and blah, 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 blah. So anyway, uh, what we want to think about there is how do we, how is it appropriate for us to intake that documentary? And I, there's no problem, obviously, with watching it. But anytime that we watch anything or we read anything or we listen to anything, we have to have a healthy skepticism about us. And so I tell this story all the time. What's funny is the Cleveland Browns radio is 98.9. And they just switched to that this year, last year, maybe it used to be 105.7. So, you know, I have it preset on my dials. But when it's not the Cleveland Browns radio, it is uh, like Christian conservative uh, right wing uh, radio. And, you know, it's it's pretty politicized. And so, you know, every now and again, I'll, you know, just be sifting through and, you know, I won't be there's no music on it's all commercials. And so, you know, I'll, I'll stop and I'll listen to it. But I listen to everything that's political, anything that I'm going to be intaking that's anywhere near the political realm. And I automatically put on my skeptical glasses and I automatically put on my what is their spin what is their angle what is the goal that they're trying to accomplish because unfortunately right now and we're going into an election cycle so it's important to talk about this there is no information that can come to you from a third party source that is not trying to manipulate you to vote for whoever they want you to vote for and the coercion and the manipulation in and around elections is worse now probably than it's ever been. 
But when we start to think about this, the only way then that we can start to make our own choice up is go directly to the candidates, listen to their thoughts and opinions from the horse's mouth, from them talking or them writing or their campaign websites and look at the issues and read what they're going to think about fixing and read what they're going to, you know, the, those strategies and their beliefs and, and read all of them. Read every single person, Republican, Democrat, independent, read everybody's opinion and then see which one you feel like speaks to you the most. That's the goal. And the same is true with Game Changers in this documentary. If you watch a a documentary, okay, or, or a propaganda film, any of these food documentaries are sort of propaganda films. But if you watch one of those and then you are easily manipulated or, or, you know, a little bit weak minded when it comes to nutrition. And you think I'm going to watch this one documentary and without doing any further additional research on the topic, I am going to change my nutritional habits. You were exactly akin to the person who was scrolling Facebook and saw a, you know, anti Hillary ad or an anti Donald Trump ad and made the decision to vote for whoever the opposite was, right? You just saw one political ad and go, what? She did that. She's a criminal. I'm going to vote for Trump. You're like, what? He said, what about women? Ah, that's crazy. I'm going to vote for Hillary. That's who you are. That's what it is. We cannot allow ourselves to be easily manipulated by these coercive things that are constantly pushing you know, themselves to the front of our attention in and around social media, TV, radio, any of the things that are trying to grab our attention throughout the day. What we need to do, what is appropriate for something like Game Changers, put on your skepticism glasses, listen to it, and let's talk about the good right? The the good of it is, is they're recommending that you eat a lot of, you know, fruits and vegetables and avocados and, you know, things that are, you know, high in fat and super high nutritious values. Yes, do that. I completely agree with that. That is amazing. That is fantastic. The whole world would be so much better if we were doing a better job with that as a society, as a community, as a world, right? We'd have so much less waste and, you know, plastics and this and that and the other if people would just stop, you know, drinking empty calories and eating empty calories and instead, you know, ate natural products to the earth. But it also has like this hardline edge and where your skepticism glasses need to come on. It's like they make some pretty insane, crazy claims as it comes to meat. Why don't I just maybe do a little bit of research there? And why don't I do research on the exact opposition? I'll go research the carnivore diet and let's go see what people say the benefits are of that diet. And then maybe what's the middle ground? Well, maybe that's the paleo diet. Maybe I'll research at the, you know, the benefits and the perceived, uh, you know, topics of importance when it comes to the paleo diet. And, you know, then you're like, okay, well, what's maybe kind of paleo-y, but maybe a little bit different because, you know, the, the diet recommended in Game Changers is very carb-centric. So what would maybe be, and, and carnivore is very protein-centric. What would be a fat-centric? Well, that's keto. Let's do some research and let's research everything in and around keto. And let's start 
getting this well-rounded look. Every time we got our skepticism glasses, we're going to try to learn something and we're going to take the good and we're going to say, yeah, that seems to make sense to me. You know, I, I'm going to I'm going to write that down. I like that. Here's you know, it's almost like a big pro con list. Here's what I like. Here's what I don't like. Right. You're doing, you know, political research. Here's what I like about this candidate. Here's what I don't like about this candidate. And then, you know, whoever's got your biggest pros list and whoever you feel like you, you know, can vibe with the most. That's your that's your go to. Right. That's how you start to make decisions. And I'll tell you what, when you've done that amount of research and you're very well versed in the topic and you've thought about it and you've had all this input. Right. That's not that's not an hour worth of input. That's not even like 10 hours or a week's worth. That's like a month's worth of research. Well, guess what? Now you're invested. And when you're invested in something and you've taken the time to do it, guess what? You're going to have a lot more conviction when you start taking action, right? When you've really heavily researched political candidates, all the political candidates, and you've made a decision, you've got somebody who's got almost no cons on your con list and a ton of pros, you might even start to canvas for them. You might even start to make a couple phone calls or tell a couple friends or put a yard sign out. You might, might start to really believe in that person and think that they might be a positive change for our country, which is great. That's democracy. And same thing is true with the diet. When you start doing all this research and, you know, my mom's an excellent example of this. She's somebody who took a really, really healthy interest in learning just more about everything health and wellness, you know, the benefits of saunas and walking and nutrition and, you know, every stress management and all these different things. And she really started to research it. She started to find the podcast that she felt like spoke to her the most. She started to read the books and, you know, look into different topics. And then she started to sort of make her own decisions. And guess what? Then she was able to stick with it more because she understood the real value and understood that there's a lot of different ways that you can start to learn about those things. And what that starts to drive is a healthy understanding of topics and a healthy bullshit meter for stuff that's propaganda and, you know, borderline ridiculous. And when you start to gather that, you can start to develop your internal motivators. And so that's going to be our topic for today is is the difference between an internal and external motivator. But the important discussion piece here, guys, is it's going to be really hard for you to have a hard internal motivating drive. If you can't even get past the first step, which is awareness, right? It's, and it's not even necessarily self-awareness. It can be, it can be topical awareness. And so let's talk about this as it pertains to, you know, just health generally. Okay. What are things that we are internally motivated for? And we're going to do kind of every day. Like what are our habits? What are things that we don't even necessarily think about? And I always think about sleep, right? Like you're not going to go to sleep because you want to beat your husband or wife in your sleep contest every day, right? That would be like a weird external motivator for sleep, okay? You're going to sleep because you know that you feel better when you get a good night's sleep. You know that you enjoy sleep. You know that sleep is good for you. You know that there are benefits to sleep. And I'll tell you what, if you start to research the benefits of sleep and, uh, you know, John Sturgeon Meatwagon has uh, got on this train a little while back and it, it's a it's almost like uh, it scares you a little bit. Like once you start to realize like a lot of the things that a lack of sleep does to your brain and does to your body and, you know, you start to understand the real value of sleep. Well, guess what? 
you're going to be more invested in sleeping well. You can be more invested in, you know, I keep trying to get Maria to allow me to duct tape cardboard on our windows so that we can have a true blackout because our windows are sort of these weird, odd shaped things. We can't do blackout curtains and all these other things. So where we're at with it is like, I think I've heavily researched sleep and I understand the inherent value of things being pitch black. So now I've got a sleep mask and, you know, we do we do a noise machine and all these different things to maximize our sleep value because I've heavily researched it and I understand and I am highly invested in that internally motivated benefit of sleep. And so how do we use external motivators? I'm going to talk about external motivators and internal motivators as good and bad things. Okay, external motivators would be something that we can come in and we can utilize as a tool when our internal motivators aren't strong enough or are failing us. And so let's take sleep as an example. Let's say that, you know, on the normal, you've done a great job in your life with sleep and you normally are like, a, you know, eight, eight and a half hours. You know, you do you have a noise machine and, you know, you try to get as deep sleep as possible and no screens before bed, a little bit of stress management, like some of these things that, you know, help you sleep more. But lately, work's been really stressful. You know, maybe there's a new project or, you know, you're an accountant and you're coming up on tax season. You're getting busy and, you know, things are starting to get a little bit more. There's a couple more hours. So maybe now instead of getting home at six o'clock, maybe now you're getting home at seven thirty or eight o'clock. Maybe now you don't eat dinner till nine. So it's much harder to go to bed at nine thirty or ten. And so now you're slipping, you're getting to like 1130, but you still want to get your morning workout in. So you're still up at 420. And now we're down into the five hour world. Well, that's not as good. So what can we what can we use as an external motivator to kind of get us out of that funk? What are external motivators that'll help benefit us? And that's where we can start to come in and you can start to, you know, run a challenge. You find your friend Terry and you say, "Hey, we're both going to download this sleep app where we can track our sleep and whoever gets more sleep this month is going to buy the other person, you know, dinner at the avenue." Right? That that's an that's how we I think at least healthfully use an external motivator. It's a course correction, right? It's something that allows us to stay motivated in the short term, get things back under control with a purpose. And this is what I've always thought with, you know, nutrition challenges or any of the any of the different types of challenges, step challenges, all these kinds of things. And I think that's where external motivators can be very beneficial. But as you can see with that example, it's really, really hard for an external motivator to be a system, to be a habit, to be a reason. And I think this is the biggest thing that has become a problem with fitness is external motivators have become a driver as a why, as a reason for something that should be internally motivated. Exercise should be an internal motivator, just like sleep. We should exercise because we're researched and we understand the health benefits around lifting weights, around cardiovascular training, around lactate threshold training, around how these things combat aging effects and some of these other high positive benefits that we get from them on top of you know mental acuity physical capability, aesthetics, and some of these other things that we love and enjoy, it should all be internal. But of course, inevitably in our lives, things are going to come up and we're going to start to slip. And so then what we can do is we can sign up for, you know, a friendly 5k or, you know, a fun local CrossFit competition or a mini sprint triathlon with some friends. 
or even just like a, you know, a walk for cancer, any of that stuff, like just the act of, Hey, I'm going to find some friends. We're going to sign up for this thing. And that's going to help get me into the gym for the next two months. Because for some reason over the last little bit, like I've sort of lost sight of my internal drive, sort of lost sight of my internal goals. And I'm starting to, you know, lose that internal drive. And I just need something to help me course correct. I just need something to help me get back and feel the benefits of that eight hour night sleep or of that, you know, high intense exercise. And I know as soon as I feel that a couple more times and I get that momentum ball back rolling again, I'll be like, oh my gosh, I feel so much better. Everything in my life is dialed in again and we're back on the train. So where this is bad and how external motivators can be bad. And what prompted this conversation for me was I read a, a random. So I have uh, two Facebook uh, accounts and both are basically the, the friendship fitness accounts. Uh, and one has, you know, all my like old pictures saved on it. And the other one's just like a random account. But the random account, for some reason, was still in a, a Facebook group, even though I, you know, defriended everybody and left all the Facebook groups. So there were no other distractions on Facebook outside of what we were doing for friendship stuff, um, you know. And so I got a random alert that, you know, somebody had put something on CrossFitters in Columbus and I read and it's this guy, you know, in, in his conversation is basically, um, you know, hey, I'm I'm getting into and signing up for competitions. And basically, you know, he's basically saying that his entire driver for exercise at 55 years old it, right now is going to be external. And so he says he wants to compete so that he can bring himself to that next level so that he can bring himself to a, a higher level. And what I find interesting about that in, you know, having been around quite a few competitors is you're not going to find many really good competitors or people who are very, you know, in it for the long term, dedicated to the process and loving the process who have much external drive at all. It's an internal thing, right? Kobe Bryant isn't sitting there going like, yeah, you know, I was going to go and get my shots up today and, you know, practice a little bit. But, you know, Tony said he's not going to go. So, you know, I don't really I just I'm not going to I'm not going to go in because, you know, it's it's just what's the point anymore? You know, we won a bunch of games. I'm scoring a bunch of points like nobody's really in competition with me anymore. Obviously, that's not the way that any high performer operates. And so what we find is people start to lean on this external motivator too much. And they start to say that the entire reason that I'm doing this thing is external. I'm doing this only so that I can compete. I'm doing this only so that I can compare myself to other people. And when we get that relationship out of whack, when it, when motivators become too external, when I'm only up and motivated because I listen to a motivating YouTube video or I watch a motivating video or I watch some movie or I listen to a podcast and that motivates me, that's the only time that I get off my butt and go and exercise or go and eat healthy or whatever, then you're, you're fleeting and it's never going to last and you're playing you know, finite games and those finite games you will fail at if the external motivators are all that you are driving off of. And so what we need to think about then is, you know, how can let's just say that guy, how can that guy take the positives of the external motivation, but allow that to derive some internal motivators? Right. And there needs to be a strong, intense, you know, grasp on why we're doing what we're doing. 
And so what I would tell him to look into is, you know, what are the benefits of high level competition or competing inside of CrossFit? What do I need to do? At what point do I go over the crest where it becomes too much and now I'm doing damage to my body and I'm not benefiting my body in the ways that are important to me? And how many competitions are too many competitions? And what are the real things that I want to kind of work towards? So this used to be a big question that I used to ask when I would do counseling and consultation stuff for competitors is, you know, they'd say, I want to be competitive or I want to be more competitive. What does that mean? Competitive with yourself? That's great. Research. Have a self-awareness. Understand where you are and compete with yourself. It's exactly what you should do. Right? If you want to be, if you want to compete, define what the competition is. What competition do you want to compete in? Now we can start to narrow it down. Who do you want to do it with? What are other things that are going to be a net benefit here? So that you'll show up to the gym. Or you'll go home and you'll eat healthy. Or you'll go home and you'll do mobility and you'll sleep well. What are positives out of this external motivator that we know you'll come out of it with a better situation? As opposed to, I just want to keep exercising more so that in my head I can feel like I'm doing what I need to do to be competitive. But in reality, I'm not actually getting more quote unquote competitive because I haven't defined anything yet. And that's where people start to really get in trouble is they drive off of these external motivators and eventually those external motivators will start to become detractors, right? You're going to sign up for a competition that's maybe too easy for you or too hard for you and you won't be challenged the right way. Or you'll sign up for too many competitions. You'll start to get burned out and start to be like, ah, this is getting boring. And now what happens when it starts to get boring? What happens to you when that was your whole system? Your whole system was based around an external motivator, right? And when we start to think about that idea too of competing in the gym, if you're coming only to, for that feeling of how you feel and competing against other people, that will go away, You have to find some way to attach yourself to the internal motivator. And I think a lot of that happens in an understanding. It happens in education. It happens in a wherewithal and a knowing and an understanding like we talked about at the beginning. If you have a firmer grasp of why we're doing band pull-aparts, when you should be doing band pull-aparts, if you understand that, then you'll probably take the exercise more seriously. And if you don't understand that, then you probably won't take the, ex- the the exercise very seriously. Unless like somebody that you're super competitive with to the next to the right or left of you does the exercise really seriously or somebody who's maybe better than you, who you aspire to is doing the exercise really seriously. Then maybe in that moment, you'll take it a little bit more seriously. And if that's where you're at, then you have to understand that you're, you're operating on a house of cards. And if, if we instead start to think about like, I really want to know why I'm doing this exercise, I'm going to go talk to the coach or I'm going to go look it up when I get home because I'm interested in why. And once you understand that it's a fantastic postural exercise, it's almost an assessment on how well your scapular positioning, your upper back muscles and all the things that kind of affect a good postural position. It's a good assessment of how all those things are operating together. So if you can't do a band pull apart effectively with keeping your rib cage down and pulling, you know, pulling the band to the low sternum, having that accuracy under resistance, doing it under a tempo, if you can't do that, then you've got some really weak links in your chain because it's not a very challenging exercise. 
but most people cannot do it effectively. And there are very few exercises that I'm going to do or that I take more seriously than a band pull apart. Yet it's also one of the exercises I think happens in the gym that people probably take the least seriously. A lot of people are going to pay more attention and, and focus more on a snatch or a clean and jerk than they are a band pull apart. However, what they don't realize is if they could organize a really good band pull apart, that might be the weak link in their chain to allow them to snatch a clean and jerk more. And so it's just all about framing and understanding. And if we're too focused on competition or we're too focused on external motivators, whatever it might be, right? Competing with the person to the left or right of you, competing with some phantom person on some leaderboard that, you know, doesn't even exist in your life and doesn't matter. Competing and focusing on Instagram or social media or competing, you know, in our case, like competing with other gyms, it doesn't matter. I want friendship to be great because I want friendship to be great. Like I'm driven by the fact that I think we could do better. And until that feeling for me goes away, I'm going to be intensely driven to make it better in every way possible. But I've had a luxury of having a strong internal motivation in my life. I don't know why. I don't know if you're born with that. I don't know if that's an environmental thing. I don't know what it is. But when I'm into something, I research it all the way. I look at every angle, politics, finance, religion, nutrition, sleep, exercise, relationships, all these things. Relationships, one, I've got to do a better job. I'd still like to continue to uh, research communication, leadership. There's a lot of different things that I need to <laughs> to go down on that world. Uh, but those are, those are the things. It's like those are topics that there's been times where I just read and watch everything. And as soon as you start to read and watch everything, you start to see these similarities and these benefits. You start to get this intense internal motivation because you understand why you're spending time doing it. And you make that decision internally to go and spend the time doing it. What we can't do is we can't have some celebrity endorsement. You say, oh, well, I'm, I don't know why I keep going. I mean, obviously, I do know why I keep going to Kobe, but let's just it's like, oh, LeBron James drives uh, or uh, Bill Murray drives a Jeep. I'm going to drive a Jeep, too. Like if that's if that's you know, that's I just don't even understand it. Like I, I've never understood celebrity endorsements. Like who cares if that celebrity drinks that thing or wears those shoes or does that, whatever. Like you're still, I would think you're still going to research. You're still going to put on other basketball shoes. Like when I went and bought basketball shoes, it's like, okay, I've got a price range. I'm not going to spend more than 70 bucks. That limits like 90% of the basketball shoes on the market. Now I'm going to go and I'm going to pull in. I'm going to go look at the guy at Dick's and say, give me every $70 pair of basketball shoes you have. I'm going to try them all on. I'm going to look up their Amazon reviews. I'm going to research it and then I'm going to buy them. Not going to make a snap decision. It's like, ooh, these are the Kyrie's, and I love Kyrie, so I'm going to buy the Kyrie's. Like that doesn't make any sense. You have to do your own research, and then when you make your purchasing decision, once you've done your own research, you can be happy and satisfied, and you're going to love the shoes because you know that they were the best available option for you. Same thing is true with exercise. Same thing is true with sleep. Once you understand the benefits, the things that you're keeping away in the future, Alzheimer's, dementia mental acuity, creativity, all these things that are given to you, the beautiful gift of sleep that they that they just grant you for free, for free. 
the, all the health benefits that are just there in your bed every night, you're going to start taking that difference between five and a half hours or six hours and seven and eight and a half hours. You're going to start, start taking that a little bit more seriously because you actually understand it. And if you guys are in any industry at all, no matter what it is, there are probably things where you're like, oh, this is the huge misconception of the public and it's so wrong. And here's how I know to fix it. And that's why you're in the industry, because you've spent time understanding the value of that. You've spent time understanding, like if you're a plumber, you've spent time learning and educating yourself on advanced plumbing systems underneath concrete slabs and how to get to them and how to fix these problems and do these things, how to, you know, bust up concrete and refix a pipe and, you know, all those things, right? You have spent the time to do that. And you understand that the vast majority of the American public doesn't take the time to research those things, to learn how to do it, and that's your value. And so when we start to talk about health and fitness and exercise, yes, like obviously we want to educate you as much as possible. I think any fitness program that isn't spending the time to try to educate you on things is doing you a disservice because I think that's what helps drive the internal motivation to get better at things. If you understand really why we're deadlifting, you're probably going to want to deadlift more. If you understand why we squat and why we do single leg stuff, you're probably going to take a little bit more motivation into those things and want to come on those days. If you understand the benefits of the aerobic day and what aerobic truly means, you're going to start to take the benefit out of that. But if we're just driven, we're only showing up on the days where we feel like we can compete against other people. I'm just saying this, this is specific to CrossFit, but I think it happens too in running. I think it happens in triathlon worlds. I think it happens in every world. If we're only showing up over and over and over again because we keep signing up for competitions, if we're only showing up over and over and over again to compete with the people to the left and right of us, if every day is a competition for us, then number one, you're not going to get that much better because training is significantly more important than games, right? If Kobe Bryant just showed up and played games but never practiced, he wouldn't have been very good. And practice and taking practice seriously and having intention with practice, that is internally driven. Practice by its nature is inherently a solo thing. Practice is learning and implementing, right? It's some input and output. It's learning. It's developing. The only thing that's going to get you to show up to the gym on Saturday morning and shoot a thousand shots before anybody else wakes up is an internal drive to get better. That's it. And so I want you guys to start to take a peek into what are my motivators? What am I showing up for? And if it's external and a lot of your answers are external, when you start to talk about your days and it's external, start to talk about the reasons that you do things and it's, you know, hey, I do this so that I can do X, Y, and Z. And it's not something that you're just driven internally to get better at. And we maybe need to rethink it a little bit. And when I say rethink it, you might need to just educate yourself a little bit more. You might need to just dive a little bit deeper into the topic. You might just need to start thinking about, you know, what are the what are the real benefits of what I'm doing here? What are the real benefits of this day? Why, you know, why does Jeff make us do these kind of sustained low impact aerobic days? Why are those so important? Why does Jeff make us do stuff at tempo? Why is build? Why are we double overhand gripping all the time? 
Like what are, what are the purposes behind some of these things? Things that you just don't put a lot of value into, right? If we learn a little bit more, you'll be more apt to take it a little bit more seriously. And the same is going to be true when we start to look at lifestyle factors. We cannot, cannot, cannot be easily manipulated or too quick to draw ourselves into an external motivation, right? So we can't jump on a documentary. We can't jump on a nutrition challenge if we've done no research in and around it. Let it be a catalyst for development and get us back on the right track of what the right track is for us. But if we don't know what the right track is for us, then start to research. And what Andy is and what the gym is, is it's a hack, right? You go and you talk to Andy and he is going to gift you sifting through books and podcasts and all of this information out there. So I said all those diets I said earlier in the podcast, keto, paleo, carnivore, plant-based, whatever it is, all those things. He just gets to sift through all of that information for you and give you the right answers, give you the things that you need and start the process of shining lights and shedding lights and telling you and teaching you what is going to be most beneficial for you. That's the benefit of a coach, right? Like I can go and learn how to play the piano right now on my own based on YouTube, right? And just kind of figure it out. Or I could go and find a coach and they could tell me, well, your finger placement's all wrong. You know, you don't have your feet set properly on the pedals. You're not reading that music piece properly. Your tempo is all off. You need a metronome. They can tell me these things immediately and they can tell me why. This is why you need this is what you need to do. You're, you're wasting your time, right? You're doing all this stuff. That's that's all these fancy tricks on YouTube to teach to learn this one song. But you're not learning the fundamentals. Go back and do. You know, I know nothing about piano, but go back and do your fundamental exercises. Right. And here's why you need to do your fundamental exercises. And they can break it back down for you and make it simple. It's the same thing that coaches do for fitness here is like, nah, you know, there's so many times I just want to be like, uh, like we're, we're you're, you're worried, you're, you're worrying about stuff that doesn't matter. And you're not worried enough about the stuff that does matter, right? Like you're so, you're so worried about, you know, your, your one rep max squat, but your air squat needs work, right? Like it's, we just focus on more high quality air squat reps, focus on spending the time developing the strict pull-up. And then all things will come to you, whether it's kipping muscle ups or anything, right? If you just spend the time to just develop that one thing, put more intention into strict pull-ups. When you show up to the gym every day, don't stand and wait for the coach to start to warm up. Pop on the pull-up bar, do some strict pull-ups, do some push-ups. The benefits of those things are absolutely immeasurable. Like I can't explain that enough to people. There is so much information coming out now that the health indicators, I just read a great one the other day, that 250 high knees, getting your knee above your hip crease for your high knee, 250 unbroken in a row, is one of the first things that elderly people will lose the ability to do. Push up. A push up is becoming one of the most easily testable indicators of health and fitness on the planet. It's like all this stuff with BMR and blood tests and all these things. They literally just say now it's like a push up and body fat percentage gives us a better picture of health than 90 percent of the other like highly expensive medical exercises. It's literally like here, pop on this body fat machine or we're going to do a caliper test or a bod pot or an in body or a fit 3D. We're going to do this. We're going to get a body fat percentage for you and then see how many push ups you can do. And based off that, we can tell everything. 
right? Because a push-up shows, right? It shows muscle mass comparatively to body fat or, you know, lean muscle, basically. How much excess weight are we carrying and how much usable muscle do we have throughout our core and our upper body to allow us to be able to accomplish this relatively simple task? And so, like, if you think about it a different way, if I just every day do like 50 push-ups or 100 push-ups, I'm probably never going to lose the ability to do a good push-up. If I wake up every day and I do a five-minute squat hold barefoot, I'm going to be a pretty damn good squatter. If I wake up every day and I do, you know, 100 meters of walking lunges, I'm probably not going to struggle to be able to do a lunge. Simple, right? It doesn't need to be super fancy. But what we need to have is a firm understanding that, you know, we are doing these things so that we can continue to be able to do these things. And then we're doing it at higher and higher difficulty levels so that that we're like pushing that that meter further. Right. If it's like, okay, the indicator is to be able to do, you know, 10 push ups in 30 seconds. That's our health indicator. It's like if you can do that, you're you're probably not at a high risk for chronic disease. Okay, well, if I can do. 70 push-ups in 30 seconds, which would be really fast paced. But if I could do 70 push-ups in 30 seconds, well, that's way more than 10. And it's going to be, if I can do 70, think about how long I would have to sit around and do nothing and eat like crap for me to not be able to do 10. Just think about that. It's the same thing with like back squats, right? If you have a beautiful air squat, and you can do a absolutely picture perfect 200 pound squat and a picture perfect 300 pound squat. Are you going to struggle to like, you know, I just blitz yesterday was a perfect example, getting out of the car and holding her. And, you know, you have to really support her with both arms and you, when you take her out of the car. And so you swivel and you get a pretty deep squat like Maria's car is pretty low and you stand up out of that. It's like that is a functional squat. Right. And that's, you know, she's 45 pounds. She's not a light, she's not a light one. And, uh, you know, you you do that and you're like, man, I'm glad that I did so many like goblet squats and front squats and all that work so that I can be in this disadvantageous position and not drop my dog and not fall over and not fail, not, not be able to get out of the car. And I'm a long way away from not being able to get out of the car in that situation because I have so much of a hedge. I'm so far beyond what that standard is. But we never want to place an artificial limit on that standard. And so as we start thinking about that, like those are those are internal motivators. Those are things that keep us coming back. Has nothing to do with beating the guy to the right or left of you a come front squat day. Has nothing to do with, you know, whether or not I'm going to worry about, you know, my one rep max deadlift if I didn't get within 15 pounds of my lifetime PR or not. It doesn't matter if you understand why we're really doing it. Because what you'll find is at some point, obviously, we have to come back down. Like time's undefeated. Right. And if we have those strong internal motivators, we're gonna be fine. 15 pounds here, there, doesn't matter. Right. doesn't make a difference if we've got strong internal motivators. But if you're externally motivated, if you're constantly like, I've got to beat this guy, I'm signing up for this competition. I've got a competition every month this month. And like, I'm just I've got to go. I've got to go. And I've, I've been stuck. I've, I mean, I've bounced in and out of that mindset before for a little bit. And you're constantly in this comparison mode. And, and it is it feels world shattering when you don't hit a lifetime PR, when you have a bad day. When you're stuck in external motivator world, that's how fragile you are. You have one bad day. 
I'll never forget. I was working so hard on my snatch. I was probably snatching too much. And snatch was one of the biggest things that held me back from being, you know, really competitive. And it was a really, really big weakness for me and something I struggled and really had to work at. And I'll never forget a day that we were getting really close to a competition that had a one rep max snatch in it. And it was a competition we'd had circled on the calendar for a long time. And, you know, I'd, I'd been doing okay. But, you know, really for me, like 250 was the number that was where I needed to be to be okay to be. I was wasn't top tier, you know, top tier guys were at 300. But, you know, I I, for 250 was enough for me to not lose the competition for me and my team. And I showed up to the gym one day and I couldn't hit 200 to save my life. And I just remember in that moment, like I was so mentally, I was so far away from being in a good place. Like, I just remember, like I had all these negative self-talk thoughts, like, what am I doing this for? Like, and it was all because I was just riding so high. I was working so hard purely off of comparison off of external motivators, off of how I was to this guy or how I was to that guy or where I would have fared in this region, where if we would have fared in that region. And I lost sight of the fact that just coming in and working hard and training just for me, just for my own health, for my own mobility, it probably would have given me better direction. I probably would have just done more mobility work, which is the thing that held me back from snatch. I probably would have worried less about snatching. I would have trained the right way if I had a better grasp on my internal motivators. And so, you know, during your lifetime and throughout your lifetime, and everybody who listens to this is at a very different lifetime in their health and fitness uh, journey. And it's interesting now, you know, the people who come into friendship now, I think, are much more set up to have a good fundamental focus from the get go with their coach. And they have these conversations and, you know, we're able to course correct. And I always tell people, you know, fitness is like you're in the back of some huge like maze warehouse and you're blindfolded. And, you know, a coach is somebody who like stands on top of the maze with a megaphone and can kind of redirect you when you start to get lost. And if we don't have that constantly, eventually we'll just start walking ourselves in circles, which is a super interesting phenomenon. If you guys have never researched that, that's what happens to everybody. Like on a long enough timeline, if you're blindfolded, you'll eventually just start walking in circles. And so the key then is to allow people or external motivators. So in this case, it might be a coach or it might be a training partner. It might be a spouse to come in and realize when we start to walk in circles. And then they can come in, they can do a couple different tactics. They can remind you what your internal motivators are, why you were doing this in the first place. And if you never had great internal motivation, we can start to work towards that. We can start to educate and say, well, you know, this is where you're at. And, you know, it's really important for you to ensure that, you know, we do start to work towards some degree of nutrition consistency. But I think the reason that you're maybe not is because you don't understand the negative health implications and what that might mean in the future. Or, you know, you've never been around somebody who's had metabolic disease or, if education is not kind of getting the job done, then that might be a time where we would say, let's let's create a temporary external motivator out on the horizon and let's use that as a course correction. Right. Right now, we're kind of spinning our wheels. We're not doing very much. We're not doing very well. We've lost sight of our internal motivators. So here's what we're going to do. And I've got a lot of really cool ideas for this. And I guess now our, our app might not ever take place. So I'll just tell you guys about it. But what you can do, so you can use uh, you can use politics, right? So politics is a great way. This is my this was my app idea uh, for accountability was. All right. So you get somebody and, you know, let's say that they are let's just use the last election. Let's say that they are a huge Hillary supporter and they hate Donald Trump. 
Okay. You can say, okay, here's what we're going to do. All right. We're going to work on this nutrition and we're going to dial in this nutritional system that I'm going to give you. We're going to work and work and work. The election is 10 months away or eight months away, whatever it is. And what we're going to do is we're going to try to lose a half a percentage of body fat every month from now until the election. That's a 5% body fat drop in 10 months. That's going to be our goal. Okay. And what we're going to do is you're going to put $200 in an escrow bank account or in, you know, inside of this app was the idea. And that's a deposit and you can't get the deposit back. And what happens is at the end of the 10 months, we're going to get back together and we're going to do a test. And if you've lost 5% or more body fat, then I'm going to go and give you that $200 back in cash. And I'm also going to give you the interest from it, right? So I'm going to give you whatever, $230 back, okay? It's a good interest rate. And if you don't do it, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take that $200 and I'm going to donate it to Donald Trump's campaign. And I'm going to automatically share on Facebook the donation, Right. That's that's a that's I, I always thought that was a really good idea. I don't know. Maybe it's not. But that's my app idea. Right. So and you can use it for other things, too. You just create causes that people feel like vehemently against. So, um, you know, it's like if you're like a dog lover, it would be like, hey, if you don't do this thing, you know, I'm going to give a bunch of money to like the Dog Fighters Association of America. And you would just like you would work with every fiber of your being because you believe so much in that cause of, you know, rescuing animals animals and not, not in against dog fighting. And of course you do. Um, and so you just, you're, I'm gonna, I gotta lose my 5% body fat. Like I gotta work my butt off. I gotta make sure that I do this thing. And so that was the idea behind, uh, one of the apps that I wanted to create. And I've got many, many cool app ideas. So if you guys go and create that, you know, shoot, shoot me like 5% of it, that'd be awesome. And, uh, but you you see the idea of how we can use an external motivator, right? It could be something like, you know, hey, I'm I, I, running has always been something that I've struggled with and I've never really enjoyed. But I would like to I'd like to learn how to be a better runner this year. It's OK. Let's set let's set a goal. Right. Let's let's set a goal of I want you to be able to run or move, you know, in a jogging capacity for a full 5K. OK, that's that's like goal number one is that's where I want you to achieve. So let's sign up for a 5K that's three months out and let's develop a little bit of a plan for us to start to work towards that. Let's do maybe some pre-testing. Let's log where our results are. And then we know three months from now that we're going to have this date that we have to show up to. And that's going to keep you motivated to keep working because, you know, you're going to have to show up and you know, you're going to have to do it right And so instead of just kind of saying like, yeah, you know, I kind of want to get better at running and, you know, I see the value in running. I'm not very good at running, so I don't like it. And it's just purely internal. We instead switch temporarily to an external motivator just to get the ball rolling. And then hopefully after that competition, we can derive the benefits of it and understand the value in the training and become internally motivated again for that thing. So that's our discussion topic for today very wide ranging, went quite a bit longer than I had thought. So if you guys are still listening, I really appreciate it. And I hope you guys have a fantastic week and I've got some fun things coming. I just started reading a book called Indistractable, which the first little bit in the podcast that I listened to about it is fantastic. Highly recommend it. And I uh, hope you guys are having a fantastic week this week. Look forward to seeing you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.